0: Short-handed yet no problem the pacers get it done in toronto they needed that one and they got it they stay in six they keep the good vibes rolling into the all-star break how'd they get it done why did everybody basically step up what's next for the pacers we'll talk about it all today on the locked on pacers podcast you are locked on pacers your daily indiana pacers podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day what up, y'all? Happy Thursday, and welcome into another edition of the Lecton Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today we're talking about a win the Pacers didn't need, but really felt good for them. <laughs> they played the awful Monday. They had a winnable game going into the All-Star break, even shorthanded. They needed to get the vibes right, and they got it. They had low energy to start the game. Clearly, they needed something to get out of their funk, a win, and then eight days off will do that. They take down the Raptors by two, 127-125. And I have a lot of things to talk about from this game, but to sum it all up, almost, and I'll just remove the almost, everybody stepped up and did something important in this game, which was vital for the shorthanded Pacers to win in Toronto, an emotional game. A weird one, two teams coming off of ugly home losses Monday, not home for the Pacers, two teams coming off of ugly losses Monday to crummy teams, they wanted to bounce back, and the Pacers were the team that actually pulled it off. Let's set the scene for what the Pacers were up against, because the Raptors are not awesome right now, they got smoked by the Spurs on Monday, but the Pacers entered this game, no Miles Turner, illness lot of sickness running through the NBA right now. Pacers, one team dealing with it. No Miles Turner, uh, who did play on Monday. No Benedict Matherin, also an illness. And they're, you know he had that knee thing uh, not too long ago. He was out. And then they also didn't have James Johnson. They didn't have Jairus Walker because they just wrapped up a G League road trip. They played the Ignite in Vegas twice. Um, they didn't have Jalen Smith still because of his lower back spasms. And during the game... Aaron Neesmith went down during the third quarter, reaching for his right shin ankle area. The team called it a shin injury. Uh, Rick Carlisle told Dustin Dopierak up there, shout out to Dustin for the reporting, that Aaron Neesmith walked out of the arena after the game, which is good, but they got to do more imaging. To set that scene, though, no Neesmith, no Turner, no Ben Matherin, no Jalen Smith. You could argue the Pacers were missing... Four of their top seven guys in this game. Maybe top eight, maybe top nine. I don't know, but they were missing a huge part of their rotation. Now, critically, of course, they had number one and number two, right? Tyrese Halberton was available. Pascal Siakam was available. But that's still, that's a lot of talent to be missing against a a completely healthy Raptors team who just had their two A guys as inactives. So they were up against it. And so what do the Pacers need in a game like that? They're going to be playing weird lineups, right? The Pacers started. Nemhard. Uh, Halliburton, Nie-Smith, Siakam, Jackson. That lineup had played a total of zero minutes together this season ever, right? So that's already something new. They've all played together in some capacity, but Jackson's starting was new with that group. They were going to have to play McDermott a lot, especially once Neesmith went down. And boy, we talked about Doug McDermott. They were going to need Ben Shepard. And who else did they need for his first rotation minutes of his entire career? Oscar Sheboy. And there was a unique thing about the Raptors that allowed that to happen that we'll talk about when we get there. But just to set the scene of this Pacers win and why I think you could call it impressive or good, even though the Raptors stink, is because that they don't stink, they're okay. Is because that is what they were faced with totally new lineups, a mid game injury, relying on their two ways for rotation minutes, relying on guys who never play together. They had Shepard and McDermott playing, and they were both good. And they won. That is big time for the Pacers to hold on and get that one done. And they had a lot of moments in this game where it looked, you know, it felt like a weird game flow to to kind of set up this one for the Pacers, right? They continually were down. They were did not lead in this game until the third quarter. And in the first half, two times, maybe even three, they went down by like eight to ten. They weren't playing well, they had low energy. Siakam in this new emotional situation back in Toronto. Great welcome back by Toronto. The uh, the welcome back video, the tribute video was fantastic. They had a whole section of people that they gave Siakam jerseys to uh, so that right off the court there was a bunch of them. That was sweet. They did a really good job with that. But, you know, in the first half, he wasn't playing like the Siakam the Pacers need. Two for nine with eight points in the first half, minus eight, right? So that started slow for them. And so in general, as the Raptors were surging ahead, the Pacers would do this. They would get down by like eight or 10 and it would take a long time. The Raptors would just play better than them for about seven minutes. And then the Pacers would have this fury of excellent play where they'd come all the way back and get it close. They'd tie it, they'd get it within one, whatever. You know, where you'd see like, okay, if the Pacers could do that for a longer stretch, they can win this game. And then the Raptors would immediately answer with a big run and it was gone. And that happened three times in this game, four times, now that I'm looking at the game chart, right? Uh, right at the beginning, uh, and and then into the late first quarter, twice in the second quarter, and then the end of the second, into the start of the second half, that happened, right? Where the Pacers could get it in the back, and then the Raptors took it away. But finally in the third quarter, this is where the game changed to me. And this is where we will talk about a guy who didn't have to do anything outside of his role. One of the rare people on the Pacers who was totally natural in his role, but not totally natural in his motions, was Pascal Siakam. Back in Toronto. With all of that going on, you know, lethargic. Like, he wanted this win. You you, you heard him if you watched the Ballet Sports Indiana broadcast. Answer that question from Jeremiah Johnson about how important this one was to him, right? Back in Toronto with all those fans with the new team. He, they want that win. Every NBA player does. So to have such a crummy first half, I mean, that had to hurt for him, right? The Not only were the shots not going in, but the team wasn't doing well with him out there. Scotty Barnes, his primary matchup at times, was crushing it with 14-7. and seven. R.J. Barrett was doing well. Other rap Bruce Brown, who was in the trade, had an amazing first half. He had 12 points at the break. Like, not a shining first half for Siakam. And then the second half, he was unbelievable. He was so good in the second half. They the Raptors kept getting like Jer- Gary Tr- I just said Jerry. Gary Trent switched on to him or other smaller forwards. And he destroyed them. Second half, Pascal Siakam after a two for nine first half. Second half, he was six for eight. He hit a three. He got to the foul line for five attempts, four assists, three boards, and a steal. No turnovers. Fifteen points in the second half, plus seven. Humongous, massive turnaround in play from Pascal Siakam to get the Pacers to swing. They needed him to be excellent, right? The Raptors are pretty big still. They traded away Ananobi. They traded away Siakam, but they still have a good, sizable front court. They still can kind of stink in their half court offense but their defense is good they can run in transition that's how they're going to beat teams and that's what they were doing in the first half they were getting stops they were getting rebounds they were running in transition and the second half pascal siakam said f this i'm going to get stops we're going to grab some boards and we're going to hit you back and that worked great and he nailed shots he the the one that will stick with me forever is i think they were tied the Pacers might have been up one late in the fourth and siakam was just hounded hounded by gary trent about Twelve feet away, off to the right, just outside the paint, and he hit this turnaround fadeaway bank shot that was just filthy. And it, I don't know how he found the space to get it up, besides just the answer being he's tall. <laughs> but he found the space and he drilled it. Uh, to answer my own question, uh, there was three minutes and fifteen seconds to go, and it was a tied game. Uh, brilliant shot. From Siakam. That gave the Pacers the lead that they never relinquished, by the way. They won the game in part because of that shot. It was huge for momentum. It was huge for his game. And then the only other player who was playing in his normal role, I, I guess there were two more, but uh, everybody was kind of doing different things, was Halliburton. And the, he didn't like totally stand out, but Halliburton drilled the threes, 5 for 9 from deep, 12 assists, 21 points, only one turnover. Maybe not the most Halliburton-y Halliburton game, since his injury, I still think two games ago, the Knicks game, he was you know pretty springy as well. But to play this much, he played 34 minutes and 23 seconds. That is his fourth most this calendar year. Uh, the Portland game and then two games before the injury were the only ones more. To play that much, to be that effective, to be a plus two and a two-point win. He was great. Siakam was great. And to put those two together, they got it done for the Pacers. The Pacers had the two best players in this game. You could say Scotty Barnes has been better than Pascal Siakam this season. That's fine. You could say Scotty Barnes is better than Siakam in this game. That's fine. But in general, the Pacers had two of the top three players at worst and should have had the best player in Halberton. And on a night where they were shorthanded and stuck in the mud early in the game and couldn't take a lead until the second half, When it mattered, their stars were great. Halbert made threes. He set up his teammates. He got the offense in motion against a team that they should beat. And Siakam finished crucial plays along the way. Big win for the Pacers. They are now 31-25, sixth place in the East entering the break. We'll talk about that in just a second. But we have to dive in to everybody on the Pacers stepping up on the shorthanded night. You're gonna hear Oscar Shibway analysis, McDermott was there, Shepard with the game winning, stop. so much to cover from Pacers Raptors. Before we get to any of that though, did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now, through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from other retirement accounts with a 3% match. That's right. No cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. And we are back here on Locked On Pacers. Thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Locked On Warriors or Locked On Clippers because they just played an awesome game that I just finished watching before recording this. And because Steph Curry is insane right now and has made seven plus threes in four straight games dating back to his, uh, his crazy night against the Pacers earlier this month. But this was not... A Steph Curry or Clippers show. We're talking about the Pacers and their 127 to 125 win over the Raptors. Look, you may think this is uh a, I'm making too big of a deal of this, but entering the break, the Magic won tonight. The Heat beat the Bucks two nights ago and then won last night. I forget who they played. Um, they those two teams got to 30 and 25 with their wins. If the Pacers lost, they would have been 30 and 26, and they would have entered the break in eighth. Instead. They enter in sixth and they keep up with those teams while hobbled and not playing particularly well. Maybe I'm overthinking that, but from a vibes and mentality perspective and from a reset, which should help every team, but in theory for a currently banked up and sick Pacers team, could be more beneficial. They don't have to travel for all-star, if at all. I mean, some guys still will, but I think that, that is a, that's a big deal. So nice win for the Pacers. They in sixth, half game ahead of Miami and Orlando. Philly also lost, um, so five is still a relevant thing to discuss for the Pacers in the second half of the season. We'll get to that stuff after the All-Star break. We have to talk about a lot of guys having excellent games In, in multiple cases. In fact, at least three, the best game they've played for the Pacers this season, this entire season. We will start with the guy who saved This is this is a section that I titled in my notes. Shout out to everybody, right? I already did Halberton for playing more, right? For actually creeping up to his—he's probably there now, reaching his normal workload and producing in it. And Siakam starting slow but handling his emotion to get it done. We'll we'll talk about everybody right now, though, and I would like to talk to the guy who sealed the deal, Ben Shepard. Holy smokes, was Ben Shepard vital in this game? Ben Shepard closed the game. Neesmith was out. Uh, they didn't have Matherin. They traded away healed. They needed to play somebody on the wing, even with their starting five. And I've said that I think the Pacers' best defensive five contains Ben Shepard. They were slightly ahead late. They're closing with Ben Shepard. The closing five was the starters with Ben Shepard. And that group worked for a couple reasons. One being, of course, Halbert and Siakam were great in the second half. But another part of it that brought it together is Shepard had his best game ever. And it, quite frankly, it isn't close. On the offensive end, he made shots. Hey, look, that's a good thing. Obviously, you know that's—it's been funny tracking his whole career so far. That, you know, as he comes in as this guy that everybody thinks is going to be a shooter, and he hasn't shot it well at all from three, 27.4%. But has been a wonderful defensive player. Tonight he was both. the The presence of a potential three and D wing was huge. He had eight points three times. Had never hit double digits until tonight. Ten points for Ben Shepherd five rebounds and a steal plus eight in 21 minutes for Ben Shepard and two he hit two threes they were both in the fourth quarter and they were both enormous for the Pacers momentum and and play in that quarter and he just got him up man he caught him let him fly no hesitation despite his season being largely inaccurate those were massive shots for him he made his free throws he, made it, he shot 50% from the field. They needed him to be that level on offense. 10 points, a career high, his first double-digit game. That alone is huge on a night where you don't have Matherin and Neesmith gets hurt. So that's already good. He paired it with great, great defense. Plus 8 was a team high for the Pacers. So he defended well a lot. It wasn't just the possession I'm about to talk about. But... Pascal Siakam splits – or excuse me, not Pascal Siakam. Isaiah Jackson splits a pair of free throws with 10 seconds left, which means the Raptors have the ball down two now. They can go for the win. They can go for the tie. They can do lots of stuff. They inbound it. They get it to R.J. Barrett. He gets into the lane, and Ben Shepard is all over him. Bump with the chest. Bump with the chest. He gets – R.J. Barrett's turnaround is pretty quick and shifty, so he gets a tiny bit of space, but Shepard jumps up well enough, not to contest perfectly, but still get his hand in Barrett's face. Great defense, eight-footer, contested. He missed it. Nemhard tips away the rebound to himself, and the Pacers win. Ben Shepard was phenomenal. Ten points, one of his better defensive games, including clutching up on the defensive end for a stop. Awesome, awesome game. And it's funny because, you know, I, I, I joked about this on the show, I think already. I definitely joked about it in real life with other people. Like, I thought there'd be a real chance there'd be a discussion from me and from others who watch the Pacers a lot about who should be the 10th guy in the Pacers rotation. And I said, I bet they'll try McDermott, but I bet by March we'll be having the McDermott versus Ben Shepard discussion. And then after two games, I said, hey, maybe you think about Ben Shepard. They closed with Ben Shepard, or they put Ben Shepard in the fourth against Charlotte and they didn't play McDermott in the second half. Well, in this game, they needed both of them to play. So you could call this an audition. I'm not going to yet. We'll see what they're going to do. But hey, guess what? Doug McDermott, also great. (laughs) also stepping up when the Pacers needed him too. finally getting shots to go and what a time to do it his he wasn't totally accurate He was 5 for 12 from the field but he had three threes and you could see his gravity more in this game as he gets more familiar with this team the Raptors were at least a little bit afraid of him McDermott was a plus three and a win 13 points and a rebound and a turnover Uh, but 13 points was huge hitting three threes was vital was a fraction of a second away from four And the the 4-3 would have been a crazy shot, like 60 feet at the first quarter buzzer. And it was perfect the whole way. It was such a good shot that, you know, when he put it up, I thought, wow, that could go in before it even went in. But he was the first one to be like, it was too late. Nah, (laughs) he was telling the bench it was too late. And it was. But he got to the basket for a shot. He got corner threes to fall. He wiggled free on the perimeter. His release is still quick. Again, I don't know what kind of impact he can have. I don't even know that he'll long, like, as the season progresses, hold his spot over Shepard forever, especially if Shepard's also now making shots. But on a night when the Pacers needed help on the wing, both guys, who they're hoping can step up as the season progresses, did so. That one of them made shots and one of them made shots and defended. McDermott's defense still had some uh, not so great moments, but he, he did what he's supposed to do. He made threes, he was a threat on offense, and that was big for the Pacers. Good stuff from Doug McDermott. No one else is a wing. I thought it'd be easy to close out this segment by just saying a wing. So I will, and I want to talk about Aaron Neesmith because he got hurt uh, in the last segment. So I'll just talk about Andrew Nemhard because he's wing-ish sometimes. He guards wing, sometimes. Uh, and then we'll get to sh- the bigs, certainly bigs, in the last segment as well as Neesmith. Andrew Nemhard, five for eight, five assists, two steals, three boards, 14 points plus five. He hit two threes. They were both, like Shepherds, critical in the third quarter Uh, to keep the Pacers surging and on a run. He's been much, 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 much better in the last couple weeks in terms of not turning it over as much and actually being accurate with his shot. Right, That has been critical for the Pacers as well. Him starting made a ton of sense already, but now it absolutely makes sense. Uh, I don't know exactly when to start this is. He came back from injury in Phoenix, uh, and then the next game he started. They played the Nuggets at home. Since that Nuggets game, this was prior to tonight, that that was 12 games. He was averaging 11 points, 5 assists, only 1.2 turnovers per game on 51-34-90 splits. And then tonight, he shot 62% from the field, 66% from deep, 5 assists, 1 turnover, 14 points. So all of those numbers are now better than what I just said. And he pairs that with, of course, fantastic defense, uh, as he did again in this game. He was great. He fits in so well with the starting group. I think he'll continue to start as the season winds down. We'll see if they can get him more ball-handling reps in any ways, but five assists is nice. He played great. They needed him to play great, and he got it done. McConnell, Nismith, Shebway, Toppin' Jackson not off the hook. We have to talk about them. And Nismith's injury, if it's something that's beyond this game, what that could mean for the Pacers. I don't know that. If you're going to get hurt, uh, perfect time to do it if <laughs> you're Aaron Smith with eight days off coming up. We have so much more to discuss here on the Locked on Pacers podcast. But first, we have got to take one more break so I can talk to you about hunger root. Grocery shopping and meal planning for specific dietary needs or preferences can be challenging. And if this applies to someone in your life, including you, hunger root is the way to go. The days are officially getting longer. And while there may be more daylight right now, If you feel like there's not enough time in the day like me, Hungry Root can add value to your life. It can help you save money, reduce food waste, and save time. Hungry Root is your partner in healthy living. It's the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality groceries and simple, healthy recipes delivered right to your door. You just take a fun, short quiz. Hungry Root will get to know your health goals, what you like to eat, what appliances you have, and they will recommend recipes and groceries based on your personal tastes. And each order is fully customizable. You can use their suggestions or not. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's got to taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole, trust, ingredients. Save hours planning, shopping, and cooking. Hungry Root delivers food you will love. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Locked On Pacers listeners 40% off your first delivery and... Free veggies for life. Just go to hungryroot.com slash lockdown to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's hungryroot.com slash lockdown. Don't forget to use our link so they know that we sent you. And we are back here on Lockdown Pacers. Thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day. Check out Lockdown Raptors for your second listen. Hear what Sean Woodley has to say about the other side of Pascal Siakam's return in this game and the Raptors uh losing again Ooh. but hey the Raptors might be happy to lose a competitive game where their young guys look good and the Grizzlies won Wednesday night Raptors can they get to a bottom five record and keep their first rounder I will not be the GM of the Raptors making that tough call because there are some crap teams in the NBA this year not everyone uh was talked about last segment so we've got more people to talk about in the shout out to everybody note section Isaiah Jackson started. This game at center. This was the Pacers' third game without Jalen Smith or Miles Turner this season. In the first one, they had Obi Toppin play some reserve five. And they had Jordan Wara available to soak up some of Obi's minutes as the backup four. And Jarris Walker played a little. And the second one, Pascal Siakam was on the team. That was against the Kings uh, earlier this month. The first one was against the Clippers. So Siakam was the backup five. And then Toppin could play some four. And then Jarris Walker soaked up a few minutes in there. Well, in this one, they didn't have Wara either because he's on the Raptors now, and they didn't have Walker because of his just recently ended G League assignment, so all of a sudden, they can play Siakam at the five, and they can play Toppin at the five, but they have no four options behind them, so they had to get creative with, like, McDermott at the four, or Neesmith at the four, but then who's playing three? Well, there's Ben But You know, you get the gist of why this was so tricky from a perspective, and why it was critical that Isaiah Jackson was good and didn't foul, Right. I, this is a stupid thing that I've said on this show before, but I still believe. He's still fouling at a similar rate to last season, but his fouls are better. It's not the dumb ones. It's not the moving screens. It's not the stupid reach He's fouling on like shots that he's stopping, and that's way more valuable. Um, but he had to stay on the floor in this game because of what I just said. They needed to be able to play Toppen and Siakam at the five as, in, a, in as few situations as possible just because their rotation was going to be weird. And Jackson played 31 minutes and 30 Three seconds and still only had four fouls. He was great in that way doing the thing they needed him to do the absolute most in this game and he played very well in his minutes. Seven for 13 from the field, 11 rebounds, four blocks, 15 points, plus six, second highest on the Pacers to only Ben Shepard. Yes, that is a thing that I just said. 31 and a half minutes for Isaiah Jackson is among, it's his highest minutes total this season. He had, I think, only one game, with more than that last year, he had a game at 31:46. Uh, I'm gonna look at his career game log in just a second. Yes, he had 31:46 last year uh, in their like seventh game of the season. I don't actually remember why he played so much in that game. I'm sure there was a reason. And then his rookie season, he had one game um, with with more than that, where he played 32 minutes in one second. But it was the last game of the season when the Pacers were just letting him play. So this was. Uh, in the mid-season moment, the most he's played, and the most he's played all season, and he was ready for it. He was awesome on both ends, and he was, like, powerful is what I had in my notes. He had a bunch of buckets in the first half where he'd catch it, and there'd be guys around him, and he'd dribble, and he'd kind of, like, lower his shoulder and shake around them and dunk right through him. It was very important that he finished plays, and he did. He made sure the ball went in. And how about his backup? His first rotation minutes in the NBA, not garbage time. For Mr. Oscar Shibwe, fans have been wanting to see him get meaningful minutes and not just soak up. I think That was his seventh game, I believe. I believe the first six were all blowouts. Let me double check while I'm talking. Uh, all of his appearances were in games decided by 17 or more. 14 or more, excuse me. So he's only played garbage time until tonight. Three minutes in this game. The Pacers did not do well in those minutes. But Shibwe, in three minutes, made his only shot, grabbed two rebounds. That's okay. He fouled. The reason that this was possible and they could soak up a few minutes without Siakam or Toppin at the five, which was significant because Siakam finished with five fouls They needed to make sure they used him in the right situation. So these three minutes from Shibway might have been bad for the scoreboard, but being able to close with Siakam was vital, is because Jakob Pertl was in for the Raptors, right? I don't think the Pacers could have played Shibway against Chris Boucher, and the Pacers didn't think so either. When Chris Boucher came in, they tried to get Shibway out of the game. Kelly Olenek got hurt in the first half. If Olenek was at the five in the second half, I don't think they could have played Shibwe. But because specifically it was Jakub Pertl, they were able to play their more groundbound bound who can just battle on the inside, and he didn't mess up too much. They did bad in his minutes, but like he was important in a win. That is always my bar for two-way players. If they can help you in the rotation in one win a year, <laughs> success, right? Ryan Bowen started that game in Chicago years ago. Edmund Sumner helped on his two-way. Like, those are the big success ones, obviously. But Shibway, there he got it. He checked his box. So, Kendall Brown helped last year in Golden State for the Andrew Nembhard game. Right. Big stuff from Shibway. Literally big stuff. Uh, two guys left who to talk about here. Uh, well, one that played well and then two who didn't. Uh, play amazing obi topping just made his shots that was huge six for nine from the field he hit his threes he had 15 points and he made it look so easy which is always important but he also had a powerful drive he caught it in the left corner he took two dribbles he went through a guy i'd like to see more of that from him leverage his now threatening three into some interesting drives i watched a lot of footage of him with the knicks before he played for the pacers and that was something that i always thought was interesting is he could run guys off the line a little bit and now that he's a better shooter i would like to see him do more of that because it was effective for him in this game mcconnell one of the few guys who didn't exceed expectations when needed. He was fine. 6.6 assists. And Aaron Neesmith did not exceed expectations either. With 8 points on 3 for 10 shooting, he was missing some shots. He's still a great defender. McConnell's still important. Like, he 6 assists is great, and he played great defense. But those two guys were just, like, at, maybe a little below expectation. Good enough. The Pacers won. Neesmith got hurt, though. That's the last thing I want to talk about here. Um, landed very weird, his right ankle shin area like twisted odd on the landing, he was in a lot of pain, he had to be carried off the floor, again, noteworthy that he was able to walk out of the arena per Rick Carlisle, per Dustin Dopierak via Rick Carlisle, excuse me, Um, and also important that the Pacers don't play till next Thursday now, so that's good, Uh, never good when an injury happens, especially for a guy who was wearing stuff on his shin, (laughs) on that exact shin already, so we'll see if anything comes of this because the wing is hard to replace <laughs> for every team, really. But especially for the Pacers, who no longer have Buddy Heal. You know, they have McDermott, they have Ben Matherin, they have Ben Shepard. We saw two of those three who were able to play tonight be important, but they can't really, like, play Nemhard at the three that much. We've already seen what the limitations of that can be, unless in, in the right matchups, maybe so. And they don't really have anyone else who can easily fill in at those spots. Maybe Jerris Walker, I guess, a little, so... They're gonna, it's you know, it's gonna be tough for them to really fill an absence from him if he's out for a while. You know, they they with no Bruce Brown or Buddy Healed on the team anymore, they'll be really reliant on McDermott in a situation like that or Ben Shepard again. So if he has any sort of meaningful long-term weeks absence, which I don't know that he does or does not, that is important for the Pacers to monitor and figure out what their solutions can be this season. I mean, their net rating is two points better with Smith on. He's in vital for their defense. He's a great shooter now. So you can't, I mean, maybe Shepard can shoot and you get both ish from him. He's not as effective, obviously, but you know, I think maybe the current trade off for the Pacers would be if you think you need the defense more, you could turn to Shepard. If you think you need the shooting more, you turn to McDermott and then just try to cobble together a rotation. And this is, this could just be a pointless discussion, but I still want to talk about it because he didn't close the game and they got both good play from both of those guys. Um, but if they need to fill Neesmith's minutes, uh, I'll be curious how they would do it, but it'd probably be a combo of those guys. Uh, I would, I will guess that if Niesmith misses games, uh, McDermott will start at the three, and they'll value the shooting more than the defense. But I don't know that that would be a permanent decision. Maybe they could get more creative uh, than that. And Ben Shepard has certainly earned his playing time. So we will see lots to cover from this team, but we finished the final game. It's now Thursday, if you're listening to this. The day it comes out, it's all-star time. Events start for uh, for me <laughs> on Thursday, really. I have some stuff I'm going to go tour and look at. And then public stuff really has already started. There's stuff to look at and do everywhere. But events, events start Friday. Celebrity game, Rising Stars, is Friday. Pacers have somebody playing every night. So there'll always be something for you to watch uh, if you're interested in All-Star Weekend in Indy. Tomorrow... We will talk with Derek Schultz about the state of the Pacers and talk about indie hosting All-Star. It's going to be cool. And then I'll be there at all the events. So next Monday's show, maybe I'll do one over the weekend. We'll see. I will be all about All-Star fun for the Pacers, their guys and events, the city's buzz. It'll be cool. Uh, and I'll be able to, if you're a YouTube watcher or you're going to become one, I will be able to post some footage to YouTube from All-Star events, which will be very cool as a part of the media experience. So lots coming there. That will be the next probably two, maybe three shows here. Will be some Pacers and a lot of All-Star talk, both because it's here in Indy and because the Pacers are heavily involved as a result of that location in All-Star Weekend. So lots of fun stuff to come. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. You can find me on Twitter at Tony R. East and the show at Locked on Pacers. Back tomorrow, talking Pacers, talking All-Star with Derek Schultz. Thank you all so much for the time. Have a wonderful day. We will. See you soon.